And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Well, Molly, I'm really excited about today's podcast. And the reason I'm excited is because I have next to me Larry Souter. Larry, welcome. Hi, thank you, Mark. Nice to be here. And those of you that don't know who Larry is, uh, Larry... Which is probably most people. (laughs) (laughs) So, Larry, when I first got saved, I heard your voice. You know, it was WPEL. And I heard you in the morning, and you'd be introducing what was going to happen next, the weather. Um, So when I first got saved, you were the voice that I listened to most. You have very good taste. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, So as time went on... Uh, the Lord, uh, I graduated seminary, the Lord put me in ministry, mm. and then all of a sudden we started this thing called Lamplighter Theater. Remember? I do, yes. Mm. And you were one of the first radio stations that actually started to air it. But we almost were not. Do you know that? No. What happened? Well, we get hundreds of applications, hundreds of ministries that would like to be on your radio station, and you can't do them all. Mm. And so Lamplighter Theater came through, and I put it in the maybe or maybe not file. <laughs> And I met somebody, and I can't remember exactly who it is, but they mentioned Lamplighter Theater and mentioned that they'd been to church the night before and heard Mark Hamby speak. And I said, well, where were you? Well, right here in northeastern Pennsylvania. Can't remember which church it was anymore. But they pointed out to me that Mark Hamby at that time was from Clark Summit, which Mm -hmm. was just a few miles from Montrose. I said, okay, that moves your application from the maybe not file into the really should be considered file because you were from our area. Mm. That's interesting. So if you'd have been from California, I don't know, so maybe you about never. the sovereignty of God moving right. and arranging things. Hold that's on one amazing. second. I'm gonna, can I call you right back? Okay, thanks. Okay, so Larry, that's amazing. Um, I had no idea that that I had no idea that that had happened. Well, I was probably too polite to tell you back then. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so Lamplighter Theater is starting to air on WPEL, which is you guys got quite an outreach, right? In, in Montrose, Pennsylvania, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and like again, you were the voice that I grew up with as a saved person, and I'm thinking like, so you always sounded like this. You had complete control and command. Your voices got it rather deep. And just sounded like you were at home. You knew what you were doing. And and I was thinking, like, boy, wouldn't it be something to be there someday? And so here we are. One day, I'll never forget it, I actually called you up. And um, I don't know who answered the phone, but I said, I'm going to be passing through your area. You know, and, and I wanted to thank you for airing Lamplighter Theater. And I think I had some new, some new uh, CDs to drop off to you. And you looked at me and you said, why don't we do a uh, radio broadcast? Sure. Yeah, and uh, and we had just moved up here to Mount Morris, and I got to share everything that God was doing, and uh, that was the beginning of a new relationship, new friendship. And it's been lots of fun for over many years, and we have listeners who love the program and look forward to it every week, and now it's on twice every Saturday instead of just yeah. once. That's so, amazing. So I got like a huge question. What what caused you to go into radio broadcasting? What was the what was the pull there? It goes way way back when I was a little kid. There were some drama programs on the radio every afternoon. This was before TV or before there was much Ranger TV. Ranger Bill, Uncle Charlie, or before that? No, even. I'm going back before that. Whoa. Uh, well, I'm going back to Sergeant Preston of the Yukon and Sky King. <laughs> These were secular <laughs> programs. This was pre-Christian radio, actually. Okay. Oh, interesting. And I was uh, uh, one day I was out of school, and I got sick, and I was going to be in bed for a long period of uh-huh. time. 
And the only good thing I could think about it was that if I um, had to be in bed, at least I could listen to these programs on the radio. Well, the first day I was sick, I fell asleep (laughs) before they come on, and I missed them. No. And so the next day I said, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to turn the radio on first thing in the morning. Drove my mother crazy. I'm going to turn on the radio first thing in the morning. And I'm so even if I fall asleep by five o'clock when the programs are on, I will still hear them. Mm-hmm. Third grade yeah. mentality. Yeah. That's crazy. And through that process and just listening to the radio all day and driving my mother crazy, <laughs> I fell in love with the medium of radio, radio. Wow. and began to understand what it can do to communicate. So, this wasn't Christian radio in those yeah. days. Again, it was before it existed. So I don't know if you know this, but I came to know Jesus as my Savior by listening to Christian radio. Mm-hmm. I was uh, working at Morton Salt, and it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was listening to a broadcast from Oliver B. Green. Did mm-hmm. you ever air him? We aired him for years and years, yes. And mm-hmm. he's, one of the, for me, one of the worst preachers I've ever heard in my life, <laughs> screaming and yelling. You well, know? it's interesting, too, because you didn't choose to put the Christian radio station on, right? That's right. I, the, I couldn't. So the guy that I, I was summer help, and the man that was there was a Christian. He was on vacation for a whole summer. And he wired a radio up into the third rafter. I couldn't reach it to shut the thing off. He had it on full blast, and it was a Christian radio station. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got to um, hear the gospel. is crystal clear, and I came to know Jesus is my Savior through radio. And then who would have ever dreamed that today, you know, what, 40, 30 years later, you know, God would use us now in Christian radio. We have mm-hmm. our podcast. Fasten like those podcasts. Mm-hmm. We have Lampeter Theater dramas that are now heard. Get, get, Larry, you won't believe this. Guess how many countries Lamplighter Theater is in today? I would be afraid to guess. 34 countries. Fantastic. Isn't that amazing? Ab- absolutely. O- only wonderful. God, right? Absolutely. And we're, yeah. people are saying, Mark, put them in Spanish now, you know? And so that's probably the next step that we're going to be taking. But God's given us this crazy, amazing platform to get the gospel out in so many uh, different mm-hmm. w- w- areas around the world. Well, we're grateful for it, and our listeners are as well. Cool. You still call them your listeners? <laughs> I yes. love it. I love it. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so that introduced you to Christian Radio. So then how did you get to WPEL? Was there any, like, in between between that and WPEL? Well, I grew up in South Jersey. That's where we lived. And my father's cousin was the director of the Montrose Bible Conference. Ah. Now, when I was 16, my dad said to me, Summertime is now time for a 16-year-old to get a job. Mm. I wrote to every radio station between Atlantic City, New Jersey, and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, offering my services for the summer of 1958 or whenever it was. For free as a volunteer? I would have probably done it for free, right. But anyway, I got no replies. Really? (laughs) The closest I could get to any radio station was at the Montrose Bible Conference as a bellhop in their lodge, their overnight accommodations lodge. Let me me Pause. So moms and dads, grandparents, I want you to hear this, take, breathe this in because this is so important. Our young children today, they're not developing their work ethic. You know, mm. if they, they, they've got to start somewhere and they need to start as a volunteer helping in different organizations. That's what's going to get them started. Getting that, those experiences are essential. Okay, so here you are. And we were paid a dollar a day and all we could eat. And my dad thought that was a all you could eat part was yeah, a pretty was good deal. Enough. I was saving <laughs> saving money on the budget at there home. You go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Rowe, who was my dad's cousin, 
knew of my interest in radio, so uh -huh. now I'm 16, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, if you do your job well, he told me this at the beginning of the summer, if you do your job well, leave the girls alone, I'll let you do a newscast on WPEL <laughs> before you go home. Oh, what, did he really say that? Yes, absolutely. If you leave the girls alone. Uh-huh. Because, oh, you know, he was very concerned that the yeah. boys and girls on the staff maintain Don't. proper behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I Labor like Day this. weekend came. My parents came to take me home. No more about doing this broadcast until Sunday night, Labor Day, Sunday night. And he said, you're doing the 1 o'clock news on WPEL tomorrow at afternoon. So I went in. They showed me how to edit the wire copy. I was already... And I did the 1 o'clock news, and I thought I was big stuff <laughs> until I realized who on earth is listening to the radio at 1 o'clock <laughs> Labor Day Monday afternoon. They're out having a picnic or enjoying it. So he didn't take, he didn't take much of it. So it was low risk. <laughs> it was very low risk. And I was speaking in a church in Scranton 20 years later, and I was telling this story. And I asked, did anybody remember hearing that broadcast? And everybody usually laughs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in that audience, a woman really? raised her hand. But oh. happened to be somebody who knew us and, you know, knew, <laughs> knew our background. Mm -hmm. The next summer then I was hired as a summer replacement announcer for WPEL. And so I was working the shifts of anybody who was on vacation. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And then I went to college, and when I graduated from college— What did you take in college? Wheaton College in Illinois. What did you, what did you take? What was your I took, Actually, I took political science. Okay. And then uh, when I graduated, Montrose Broadcasting purchased our station in Danville, which also carries Lamplighter Theater twice mm -hmm. every Saturday. <laughs> and awesome. uh, I managed that station for— In Danville? In Danville. I managed Whoa. it for 19 years. How old were you there? I started out as 22. Yeah, wow. I wow. tell people I only had one working day in my life and I wasn't the person in charge. <laughs> wow, that is really something. And then I came to Montrose. What an amazing beginning, but it started with your dad mm -hmm. helping you and you willing to work for a dollar a day all you could eat. <laughs> that's, that's, I like that. It's kind of what we do here. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I don't know. With the inflation, you ought to raise it to maybe $2. <laughs> Okay, so, um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to this. This is Larry Souter. I mean, I grew up, Larry, you were one of my greatest, I admired the work that, that you did. You did it so effortlessly. Um, I think out of all the things that I remember is, is you as the radio announcer, broadcaster, you did it in a way that just seemed, it, it put people at ease. You were there. Um, there wasn't any hiccups. It was professional. It was excellent. It was highly crafted. You know, and the people that you brought in, the interviews that you did, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's a high degree of excellence. And I really appreciated um, your work there. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So if you were to leave, you know, young people that are listening to this and want, might want to get into, you know, radio broadcasting, um, radio in some way or another, what, what would you, how would you um, advise them? What would you tell them? Well, I want to start by saying that's not an easy question for me to answer because my answer would have to be different today than it might have been 20 mm. or 30 years ago because mm. things have changed, the technology has mm -hmm. changed, and so forth. But what they told us back then, which I think is, is probably still good advice, uh, you can go to school specifically for broadcasting. Some people do. In fact, we hired a young man from uh, Cedarville University who I think was one of the best hires we ever had, and mm. he was in a broadcasting program at, at uh, Cedarville. 
But what they used to tell us in those days was get a broad general yep. background yep. and learn uh, learn something about a lot of things. Oh, interesting. And then you can bring that to yes. because mm-hmm. the mechanics of operating a radio station, uh, you can learn you, know, you, you can learn that. Yeah, and Anybody it changes all that. the time, too. Right. Yeah, uh, we were, I was at a meeting once, and uh, a mom broke into the meeting, and it was a it was a pretty big meeting with Fox was there, Paramount was there, and um, Disney? Disney was there. And this mom broke into this private meeting, and she goes, hey, my, my son is a great film director, and, and what should he do next? He's 22 years old. What's the next step he should take? And they were getting ready to bounce her out, you know, and then the the, guy, the gentleman from um, Fox and Disney both said, no, no, let her, let her stay, let her speak. And, and um, she said, what, what, what should my son take next? What type of film at schooling should he have? And the guy from uh, Disney looked and said, um, have, him, have him study philosophy. Mm-hmm. And then the guy from Paramount said, uh, have him study history. And the guy from Fox said, have him study theology. Interesting. Um, that'll be about 12 years of schooling and then come and see us afterwards. And, and the lady was like, what? Uh, uh, uh. She's like, no, I want, like, what type of film school? And then they were like, no, history, philosophy, theology, you know. And that's a well-rounded person because now they can bring so many different things into, you know, their, um, you know, into the broadcasting field. Mm-hmm. And when they're interviewing people, they're knowledgeable about different things. Mm-hmm. They, can, they can connect with people on a, on, a, on a higher level. Okay, so, Larry, as we bring this to a close, a couple things that come to my mind. Whatever a man find, whatever thy hand finds to do, do it with all thy might. That's in Ecclesiastes. And I think that you live that out. And I appreciate that in you. That's why I've always admired your broadcasting. Um, another thing that comes to my mind is Second Peter chapter 1. Um, God, it says that his divine promises, he gives us great and magnificent promises, that through these promises we might have a partnership with his divine nature. And so, I mean, I've watched you. You've partnered with God all these years to help ministries. You've advanced the cause of so many ministries. It's been an incredible opportunity that God's given you. You've brought to the world ministries that would be otherwise unknown. Mm. That was just just a special, a special platform that God gave you to do. So what I'd like to do is go back in time, and you're going to interview me for the very first time. Okay. Okay? Yes. Okay, so you're, you're on. I'm here. I'm, I'm nervous. And this is my very first moment. I can't believe you're nervous. Uh, you've never okay, been anywhere. Nervous. Never been. <laughs> okay, never, I'm not nervous. Never been, never been interviewed anywhere before. Right. Okay, first, first this time. is, you haven't had all of the experience you yeah. have. Because the amazing right. thing I'm trying to remember about, about Mark, it, one time we interviewed you and you talked about the experience you had and like, my mind is drawing. When I, drawing when I first got saved? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Yep, with uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones. And you'll be the same today as you'll be five years from now. Except for the, I remember that interview. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, was that was, your first interview? That was my first interview. Wow. I, I was like, you couldn't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Larry couldn't say a word. <laughs> you remember that? Which is, yeah, which is okay. That's fine. Um, <laughs> And That's then if you don't funny. like what they say, you know, before you put it on the air, you edit it out. <laughs> right. Which this, absolutely, folks, happened to this interview as well. They took stuff out before they showed it, played it for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just let's introduce me for the first time. You're in WPEL. Let's, let's pretend. Okay. Well, maybe you can't do WPEL because people hear this and think we're on WPEL. So do a fictitious one. Okay, we'll just make something yeah. up. Okay, this okay. is uh... okay. So everybody, this is what it would have. This is what it's like to go into a studio 
with a professional broadcaster for the very first time. Okay, and our guest today is Mark Hamby. We're delighted to have him with us, and the listeners want to know why on earth we're having Mark Hamby here. Who on earth is he? Why should I not just, you know, change the dial and go listen to something else? But I need to say that Mark has an absolutely fascinating testimony, a story to tell, so don't turn... Don't turn the radio off because Mark is going to tell us how he came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. Wow. Thanks, Larry. It's, uh, what a privilege this is. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you said something because sometimes you interview people and they answer your question by just nodding yes or no. <laughs> On radio. I'm oh, nodding. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So really, Mark, there's really not thousands of people out there listening to you. There's nothing to be nervous about. <laughs> We've learned in radio, you're only talking to one person. If there's a whole room full of people, they're not paying any attention to the radio. It's just background noise. If anybody's really paying attention, it's only one person. So tell Molly here how you came to know Christ. Molly. Hi, Mark. So I didn't know anything. I didn't even know. I didn't know there was a real God, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up as a Catholic, and so you know, went to church. I was religious, went to confession, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then this blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl—I was a bartender—and uh, and she sat across from me, and she looked at me, and she goes, "Have you ever read the Bible?" And I said, "No, but I'd like to read it with you." You know, so Aww. we started reading the Bible together. She was my neighbor. Her name was Debbie, and uh, she. Uh, Every day, we'd, I'd go over there to her house, and we start reading the Bible. We started Revelation of all the places, and literally started reading it backwards. And as we uh, started reading the Bible together, I realized I was also kind of falling in love, you know. And uh, but she didn't know that, but and I think she was falling in love with me too. And so here we were reading the Bible, and she goes, "My boyfriend has this church that he goes to." He goes, would you like to come to my boyfriend's church? And I'm going like, ah, oh, your boyfriend, that's not, I don't like that. She goes, oh, he lives in Arizona, so it's fine, you know? And so so we go with her boyfriend's parents to church. What? Yeah, that's how we first went. And uh, I go into this church, Larry, so I grew up as a Catholic in Mali, and this church has a, a Western vacation Bible school scene in the front. So there's all these, you know, trees and jungles and, and Western, mm-hmm. you know, wagon trains. And I'm just like, what is this? And there was no holy water to put your fingers in. And there were no genuflectors to kneel (laughs) down on. I'm like, what is this place? And the pastor's preaching up a storm, you know, screaming and yelling, you know, you must be born again, you know. And and I'm not, I just don't get it, you're right. But anyways, Debbie, after several weeks, she comes to know Jesus as her Savior. And I'm thinking like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm left out. This is not good. (laughs) Yeah, and so I'm thinking like, I'm going to play both sides. Mm. So I'm going to have my bar, bar room friends and I'll have my church friends. And so, I, I, Larry, I lived that way for two weeks. But then all of a sudden, God started getting involved. I'm thinking like, whoa, this is real. You know, mm. like, I can fool my friends, but I can't fool God. But I'm thinking like, okay, so so I miss, I miss, I miss out on eternity. I go to hell. I'm all right with that. Um, at least I'm going to live it up for now. And then all of a sudden, you know, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm at Morton Salt. After the bar is over, I'm hearing this guy preaching. And he says, I'll never forget this. He says, it wasn't the Romans who killed Jesus. It wasn't the Jews who killed Jesus. It wasn't the people who killed Jesus. It wasn't the leaders who killed Jesus. It was you. I'll never forget that moment. I'm like, whoa. And Larry and Molly, all of the things that I had done, it was like, you know how some people have this flash that their whole life goes before their eyes just before they die Mm -hmm. or something? Mm -hmm. That happened to me with all the times that I had used his name in vain. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I have been cursing Jesus most of my 
young adult life and teenage life and like why did I do that this is crazy like and then he said he says and Jesus is on that cross and he's looking at you and he says father forgive he says insert your name forgive Mark Hamby for he did not know what he was doing and all of a sudden I said not true I did know what I was doing I can now for the first time in my life my eyes and heart were open because I realized I I did I think I knew what I was doing I purposely was using his name in vain. I didn't have to, and I did it. And I'm like, I didn't think anything of God, and and I'm like, and I'm like, whoa, I crucified the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. He who knew no sin became sin for me because He was crazy in love with me. And I'll never forget it. I I am um, two o'clock in the morning, 1977. Um, two about 2:20 a.m. By now, I'm listening to about 20 minutes and. I walked out into the rooftop, <clears throat> and uh, I told God, I, this was unusual. I didn't ask to be saved. I said to him, I said, I, I am so sorry I did this to your son, and I, uh, I'm really sorry. And I was crying. I said, I'm really sorry. I don't deserve to be with you or to be saved. Um, I deserve whatever's coming to me. I said, but if, if, you, did, if you did decide to forgive me and become one of your children, I'll do whatever you want. I'll never forget. I said these exact words. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go, and I'll become whoever you want me to become. Mm. And at that moment, all of the sin of my entire life, Pilgrim's Progress, where the sin rolled off his back, Mm -hmm. was nothing compared to what I experienced that evening or that morning. I became a new creation in an explosive 4th of July dynamic way. It was explosive. It's the only way I can describe it. And I, when I got saved, the stars lit up, the clouds, the everything lit up in such a way that I was like born again. I was like born for the first time in my life. And when the sun came out that morning, it was this huge ball of fire. And I went outside and I was touching the bark of the trees. And I was looking at the leaves on the trees and I was looking at creation. And I had never seen it before. And I'm 22 years old and I'd never seen creation before. First time in my life. I was like, this is, and I'm starting to tell them, guys, come over here, feel this tree, you know? Mm-hmm. And they thought I had gone insane, you know? And, 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 and then and when I went and saw Debbie for the first time, it was a new relationship. And as we started reading the Word of God, the very first thing that happened was, I get it. I understand this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how in the world is this happening? I, I understand the Word of God. This is crazy. And, and Larry, Molly, it was the first book I'd ever read in my life. I had never read a book to that point in my life. And today, of course, now we publish Lamplighter, 250 books with the Word of God saturated in it, audio dramas on radio, and it's like reliving my salvation. Larry, do you realize what you just did to me? (laughs) That's what makes a great radio announcer. (laughs) Wait, we were just supposed to have fun, and this was supposed to be rehearsing, and it became real. You did it again. Thank you, Larry. Time for one more question? Yeah. You had a favorite teacher, didn't you? Somebody who really influenced your life? Miss Roseanne Petermeyer. Mm -hmm. Wow, you remember that? I do. This is incredible. <laughs> Mary, this was what, 25 years ago? Not 20, quite. <laughs> 20 years ago? 15, whatever. No, it had to be more than 15. Maybe. Okay, time goes fast, and this, it goes faster at my age. So. so This is what you're like on caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so I'm in her course, Pensacola Christian College, getting a master's degree, never read a book. I got a bachelor's degree without ever reading a book. And here I am at this school at Pensacola, and they're requiring all these books to be read, and I'm taking her course. It's World History One, World History Two, and a Christian Perspective, and I don't want to read those books, mm. and 
And I go to her and I said, can I do some extra work to get my grade up? And she says, I think I'm looking at a young man who's never done his fair share of his work academically in his life. I'm like, really? What gives you that idea? I'm here for extra work. And she goes, has God called you here? And I said, yes. She said, the faithful is he that calls you. We'll also do it if you do your part first. And she goes, Mr. Hamby, I think you lack the character to do what it takes to serve God in ministry. And I'm like, well, how about that? I think this reminds me more of communism than Christianity, and I don't need you or your school. Oh, wow. Yeah, and she said, you leave here, God's never going to use you. Well, that's the reason I'm leaving. Who do you think you are, judge and jury? I'm out of here, and I'm going to have a celebration dinner, and, and with you and you is the honor. You know, and I'm like, I'm out of here. We drive 60 miles up the seacoast. We're going back to New York, and God just hammers me. It's as if he took his hand inside my chest and said, you're going to turn back right now. Literally, that's what it felt like. And God gave me this verse from Corinthians, God forbid I become a castaway. And the word castaway is to be set on a shelf, never to be used again. Mm. And I looked at Debbie and she's crying. I'm crying. I'm going, I said, what do you, what do you think I got to do? She goes, I think you got to go back. And so we went back and knocked on Miss Roseanne Petermeyer's door. And I said, what do I have to do to get a passing grade in this course? She goes, you got to get a hundred on the final exam. I added up all your grades. She goes, you can't miss one question. It's, a two, it's 200 questions. Whoa. It's counted twice. It's a three-hour exam. If you miss one question, you take this course again. And I said, that's impossible. She goes, I never want to hear that out of your voice again. Do you hear me, young man? <laughs> and I'm like, what word? Did I just swear? You know, she goes, it was the word impossible. She goes, nothing's impossible with God. Mm. She goes, you do your part. God will do the rest. I'm like, okay. She goes, I don't want to see you on campus without a three-by-five card in front of your face. I want you to memorize every prophet, priest, king, and date. And she goes, if you don't sleep between now and next Friday, that's fine with me. And I said, I'll do my best. She goes, that's all God expects. I came in for that test. She's got them all color-coded. And all of a sudden, I am struggling. And every man and woman is done within an hour and a half. It's a three-hour exam. And she's sitting there with her head down on her judgment stand, sound asleep. And I'm erasing answers, putting new answers in. And I get to the very end of the test, 200 questions. And there's one I just knew what was wrong. And I, I erased it. And I put a new answer in. And I go, no. And I erased it back. And I put the other answer back in. And I'm like, no, that's not right. And I went to erase it again. And she pulled the test out from underneath me. And I said, because I remember the answer at that moment. I said, can I have the test back, please? She goes, no. She goes, the time for the test is over. Three hours is up. I said, I remember the answer before the three-hour mark. Can I have the test back, please? <laughs> and I'll never forget what she said to me. She goes, no, and don't ask again. And I'm thinking, like, I always have the last word. What does that mean, don't ask again? Is there a way that I can ask this that I'm not really asking again? Is there a way that I can circumvent this? And Because uh, I need that test back. So what can I say to her to give me the test back that's not asking her for it? So I'm... She's, she's not blinking. And I'm thinking, I've never seen a, anyone stare at me without blinking like that. And she's like, her eyes look like fire. You know, I'm like, what could possibly happen if I ask again? I'm like, she could fail me. Okay, I don't want to do that. So I'm like, and it was like, uh, and I couldn't think of anything to say. And I said, I surrender. I surrender. And at that moment, I don't know if you remember this, at that moment, something inside of me changed physically, mm. emotionally, spiritually. Something changed inside of me. It was the very first time in my life, Second, first the salvation, and this is the second time, I, I yielded to authority. And something changed inside of me. And that had been my problem all along, mm. is that I was unwilling to submit to authority. And God placed this woman in my life to finally get me to do that. And as a result of that moment, I'm here today. And I ended up getting 100 on the final exam. She knew that I had the right answer. 
She wasn't willing to give the test back to me because she knew I had the right answer, and she wasn't sleeping up there. She was praying for me that entire time, and God used Miss Roseanne Petermeyer to change my life forever. Larry, thank you for bringing those things out into my life. <laughs> so, see how he does that? Yeah. Wow. Thank you for having me. God bless. Thank you, Larry. My privilege. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit lamplighter.net slash podcast and fill out the form. That's lamplighter.net slash podcast.